addicts and alcoholics get validation all the damn time when they go and get treatment. That's what treatment is. That's what it is. They're yeah. telling you, I understand. I'm here for you. But we're supposed to not have validation? Like, I just, it's, it's bullshit. It's all. Yeah, and there's also an addict, especially one who's still in it or early on, will tell you that their journey is way harder than yours. Mm-hmm. And that that gets under my skin. Yeah. Big time. I've seen both, both sides, sides of this deal, man. Yes. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Till the Wheels Fall Off. I am Matt. I am Paige. We've got an amazing episode in store today, and I truly mean that. You said that last week. I say it a lot, but... We'll let you be the judge. I'll mean it this time. It's different. (laughs) Before we get there, I wanted to talk about a few things that we've got going on. We've got sweatshirts for sale at our website, twofo.com, T-W-F-O.com. They are running low on stock. I can see them over there. We've got yeah. still got a pretty good amount. So if you're interested, if it's cold where you are, or if you just like to snuggle up inside and keep your house super cold in the Southern Hemisphere, then get you one. They're, <laughs> all, they're so comfy. They're amazing. Our course is still out there as well. And we've never wanted to be pushy about anything like that we were doing. Like pushy. I don't want to be pushy about it. I want people to know it exists, but I have to say... We get a lot of comments and DMs and emails and people are asking questions and the answers to these questions, 99.9% of them are in the course. Yeah. They're in the course. It's, it's a lot to, to take on. We very much understand that it's, it's huge. It's like taking a college class. It's yeah. comprehensive. There's a lot to it. We but also, this is under- your life. <laughs> it's, this is your life. Exactly. Yeah. Invest in your recovery. We also mm-hmm. understand that finances aren't always the best in an addicted relationship, which is why we've got for a limited time, a discount coupon that gets you 75% off the course using the code wheelies 75. That's wheelies with an S 75 at checkout. And we also have payment plans. So you can pay it out over the course of three months, Yep. anything we can do to help and get you the help that you so need. Uh, another thing, and this has occurred to me, I guess since we're in it every day, we forget it exists, but we have a free Facebook community. Yeah. That's a support group. It's a support group called Tufo Community. You can find that by clicking the link in any of our um, social, social media bios or profiles there. Our link tree will have that on there as well as the course. We've also got guides for sale on topics ranging from, I think, actually, no, I think they're just narcissism right now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, and then there's one on how to manage triggers. Some some really awesome guides available as well over at independentlystrong.com. Yes. But you, I think you can get those there through our website. Can't no. you? It's only on independentlystrong.com. Yes. That's an exclusive to Independently Strong. Yes. Okay. I think that concludes this message. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Okay. Now on to the actual episode. Let's get it going. All right. So last week we um, had, it was a part one of how I lost myself in your addiction. And this one is going to be how I found myself again. Um, so I have, Matt's been sober for almost 11 years now. Yeah. And we, that is right, right? Yeah, it'll be 11 in April. Okay. So we typically meet people where they're at, but today we're going to meet me where I'm at. You're going to reintroduce yourself. Yes. So it's a totally different version of what you get throughout the other podcasts, would you say? For sure. Like, I I know you better than I think anyone on the planet does. Yeah, that's true. And the 
January is a year ago is the first time that you really came out and told your story. Like yes. in my mind, this is when Tufo started. Yeah. It was a yeah. year ago. Yeah. So this school is kind of like on the anniversary or around it anyway. You're going to reintroduce yourself in a way. I think you're much more comfortable talking about this stuff now. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've really nailed down what, what you've really done over the years that made an impact in the person that you are today. Yeah. You crack me up in some ways. Why is this? Because this is what I love about you. Where are we going with this? I call Paige sneaky hot. Okay. Yeah. You've always said that. She is sneaky hot, man. Mm -hmm. And sneaky hot is the best kind of hot. If you're going to be hot, be sneaky hot. Well, explain. What does that mean? You're like a sleeper. I don't mean that you aren't just beautiful. Like anyone can look at you and be like, wow, she's really good looking. But you have to get to know you and you have to get comfortable before you're really you. Mm -hmm. And I think that this episode encompasses like, what I get to see yeah. and what I live with and yeah. the person that I really know. <laughs> uh-huh. So I'm looking forward to everyone else getting to know that same person. And it kind of goes along with your personality because you like sleeper cars too. I do. And you I, taught yeah. me to appreciate sleeper cars. For those who don't know what sleeper cars are, they're cars that don't look fast, but they are fast as hell. It's cool. It's about, it's one sense. It's what's inside that matters. Yes. I used to have an awesome sleeper car. You did. I loved awesome. it. it so I cool. miss it <laughs> so much. And parenting changed it for me. Anyway. Okay. So let's go ahead and get into this um how did i find myself again well first of all it's a process for sure it's not like i woke up one day and said oh my gosh i totally lost myself and i don't even know where to begin you know it's like you just kind of go it's progressive you go down this whole hole of just feeling trapped and scared and not knowing who you are and then all of a sudden you're just like enough is enough it doesn't really happen that way it kind of it it doesn't click it takes a little time but also you telling me to get my shit together was definitely part of the process. We always go here. <laughs> We're always going back here. I'm still grateful for it and I will always be grateful for it. But I did get to a point where I said, you know, enough is enough. So I began therapy. I decided to do hard work every single day. I found somebody who validated me instead of pulling out all of my character defects, which is what I got at home. You know, we discussed how I wasn't totally crazy, learned how to manage my emotions and panic disorder. That's what I did in therapy. It wasn't just like totally going down my character defects. She when you was, say you found someone to validate you, you don't mean me. You're yeah, because you, you were not validating me at I, the time. I, I didn't even know what that meant. At all. No. And this was, you were at least five to six years sober at this point, and he still wasn't validating me in our marriage. Right. And I'll, I'll talk about validation here in a little bit, but I learned that a lot of the things that my husband had learned in his recovery program wasn't all accurate. Like acceptance to him meant accepting everything and just going with the flow instead of solving problems. It was like another way to shove the problems under the rug. Yeah. Acceptance was the answer. was like a mantra that came from the program that I worked and actually I literally have it tattooed on my ribs. Yes. Acceptance is the answer. And for me, what that meant was I cannot control the world. I need to focus on me and my attitudes if I want to be happy today and acceptance. But I took it too far. Yes. And I think what you're referring to is the acceptance of behavior from other people that is harmful to me and those I love Mm -hmm. and being okay with it because that's who they are. I think you can take acceptance too far and run with it and then find yourself without any problems at all. But you still have problems. Yes, it can just, keep you in denial. Right. And it keep You've you just tolerating chosen to accept shit. them. I think you got there a lot faster than I did through this work that you're discussing, which is yes. there's a difference there, pal. Great. And we used to we used to, you know, go go oh, this, over this all the time. Like, yeah. no, you don't understand me. No, you don't understand me. And I never put my guard down with that because I never felt like it was accurate. I'm like, dude, no. 
this is behaviors, patterns of behavior that is happening over and over again that needs to be addressed. Yep. Um, and then I learned, you know, one day at a time, that was a really big quote in our house. And I yeah. learned that it won't solve my problems. Like, I can't just let my problems go and everything works out. One day at a time works in some situations. You know, like if you're leaving a certain situation and you're like, I don't have all my ducks in a row. You know, I don't have everything in order. I do have to technically take this one day at a time and I will survive. But every single day saying that, oh, I have a problem. Well, just take it one day at a time. Everything will be okay. I, I had a problem with that. You know, it irked me. Um and it was kind of my gut telling me that mm, something is still not right with this. So in therapy, I learned to trust my gut more. Yeah, because you were validated. Yeah. <laughs> Which we will get to later. <laughs> yes, yes. So I learned to trust my gut. I learned to set boundaries. I removed people from my life who I outgrew. I learned to say no. I learned about my cognitive distortions and how I minimized a lot of things in our life while everyone around me told me I was catastrophizing everything, which is what you did in our relationship. Yeah. It was like, no, that's not a big deal. You're being too sensitive, this and that, blah, blah, blah. You know, but I, so I started to minimize my problems when the reality was, no, these are actually problems. These are big problems that need to be resolved. Um, I learned to wake the fuck up and stop making excuses for behaviors I do not tolerate. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> I, I don't want to cut you off because you're on a roll. I am on a roll. I, I've always admired, like if a, if a crowd is running one way, you've always been the person that had no problem going the other direction because that's what you believe was right. Yes. And yes. You've that's never true. backed down on that. Yeah. And like ultimately, yeah, I had to do a lot of work and reflection to get sober that you weren't there for, but I can say with full transparency and honesty that you inspired me and I don't think I'd be sitting here today if not for that quality about you. Thanks. We've talked about this and you keep saying, no, 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 no. like other people have even told you this, like people that know us really well. I know, but it's hard because you didn't say that for a long time. Mm, well. Get used to it. <laughs> that sounded so phony. <laughs> You're like, I just don't know what the fuck to say. Here. No, no, it was semi-sarcastic. Like, get used to it. I mean, we really like it's 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 true. It's true. Like, you've always been so strong on your resolve and in your ability to to see right from wrong and know in your core what was right, what wasn't, what you would tolerate, and what you wouldn't tolerate. And I credit that for the person I am today. Thanks, babe. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Thank you. But, yeah, you know, I, I credit you. We can sit here and go back and forth all day. But Okay, I'm moving on. Okay. <laughs> so in our therapy, in my therapy sessions, there were times that I would come home and I wouldn't talk to you about them because there were points where you would say that what I was learning was bullshit. You tried to spin it around and say that this therapist isn't for you or she doesn't know what she's talking about or what she is talking about. Sometimes they just talk about something that they're, they're – um, like well-versed in and that's just what they're going to focus on and they don't look at the big picture. Do you remember this? Yeah. Okay. It's cringy, but I remember it. Yes, you did this. And it, it's because you had to look within yourself and you didn't really want to kind of do that because you knew it was going to affect you. Yeah. They say like, if you, sp if you spot, spot it, it, you, you got, got it. it right. Yeah. So I'm aware of this now and I should have been aware at the time, but I, I wasn't. Anytime someone's telling you something and it stings, especially deep, yeah, they've you've uncovered something about yourself that you don't want to face. You don't you don't want to think about it. You don't want to go down that place to to figure out what that's about. Why yeah. why that hurt the way it did? It's much easier to lash back out and get defensive mm -hmm. 
than it is to, to listen to somebody and accept some of these things and begin to ask questions in your own mind about, could this be true? Yeah. Is this actually happening? Right. Is this how it really is? Right. But it's tough in the moment. And if you're like, I was a very abusive, narcissistic type person, you would bring these types of solutions. And this is sober, by the way. Oh, yeah. This is sober. This was years sober. So like, And working a program. We can have a whole other episode on why just removing the substance doesn't mean much. Right. It's like 5%. The five, problem. 5% of the <laughs> That's problem. what I like to say. But yeah, I, I remember this. Like, no, she doesn't know what she's talking about. And for the record, like, I absolutely love your therapist. I love your therapist. Now. Yeah. Back then, she was a threat to what I thought I knew and understood about the world. And she was making me question my own thoughts and yep. feelings about the world and my reality. But here's the thing about me. I didn't give a shit. You never canceled the appointment. You never nope. said, I'm sorry. Nope. You were just like, I was like, tough. okay. That's tough I was like, you. tough that you you feel that way. I'm going to continue learning. I'm going to continue educating myself. I'm going to continue building up my self-esteem and figure out, figuring out what the hell is going on with or without your okay. Yeah. I didn't care. Nope. Because, and I think that this is why, because I went to somebody who was validating me, mm-hmm. who was telling me that I hear you. You know, validation doesn't necessarily mean condoning. It doesn't mean that it's agreeable. Validating is just literally saying, I hear you and I understand you. And that's what I got. And whenever that happens, we're able to really like, oh, shit, you know, I can make my own decisions. I can do things for myself. So I'm just saying that you, another part about you not liking what I was going through is that you didn't understand my highly sensitiveness at all. You yeah. didn't understand me being a, a an HSP. No, I didn't. I, I felt like you were. This sounds horrible to say this out loud, but no, it's okay. Our podcast, like our core values, authenticity, and just being genuine. I felt like you would make big deals of things that weren't necessarily like great. Like, yeah, sure, these are problems, but we just need to move on. Yeah, like, that's not that big of a deal. Like right. everyone's got that kind of crap, and you can sort of rationalize it that way, you know. Mm-hmm. But you're freaking instincts were always on the money always Mm -hmm. and i think that being a highly sensitive person i mean you literally have more mirror neurons than i do in my brain like it is a genetic marker it's a it's a superpower in some ways yes it is it's also a curse in some ways yes it is (laughs) but yeah i didn't know what that what that even was back then yeah yeah so you know you're the type of person who would tell me to just deal with it you know toughen up uh be stronger or whatnot and it's like no man that's making it worse. That's making it a bigger deal because I'm feeling like I need to correct my feelings. I would sit there and try to coach you yeah. on a different perspective to take. Yeah. I just didn't know any better. Right. Right. And you've doesn't excuse it. You've just come a long way. Ignorant on like it. you understand that I, and some days you do know that I am a pain in the ass being a highly sensitive person. I am a pain in the ass. I do make big deals out of something sometimes, but I'm also like, I stand my ground on it. I don't, say like, okay, I just need to fix that or correct it or, you know, shift my perspective. No, I'm, I'm going to be a pain in the ass. That's who I am. And it's okay. <laughs> you're not a pain in the ass. Okay. <laughs> it's not like you're walking around here. Like I was like stomping on the world and everyone in your way saying, this is what I need today. This is what I want. And I'm going to be controlling. Yeah. You're just an incredibly feeling person. Yes. I just feel a lot. And I do. for instance, like if I don't respond to a text right away mm-hmm. this is just an example i don't think you really ever do this uh-uh. but someone who's highly sensitive if you re- respond to it if you don't respond to a text in a timely manner 
or uh, you let's say they invite you somewhere and then you say i have plans already Mm -hmm. they're gonna feel like that's because of them like what did i do to cause that Mm -hmm. and it sounds sort of like codependency but it's not like this is an actual thing there's a book called the highly sensitive person yeah we've talked about it a lot dr elaine aaron yeah and it's an incredible book and i don't remember the percentages do you remember it's like 20 20 percent i believe 20 percent i believe yeah i don't roughly 20 percent of the population has this i think and it's genetic so if you've got it Maybe one of your kids has it, right. one of your parents has it. Right. And then once you read the book, you're going to go, oh my God. Right. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, but also like if I get triggered by something because I am highly sensitive, it's not everyone else's responsibility to fix my triggers. I know that that's something within me and that's something that I have to deal with. So I don't go out of my way to try to control somebody because they're triggering me. That's not how it works. It's something that I have to deal with myself. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of, this next part, I want to go down the validation portion. Let's go talk about some validation. So a lot of, uh, we need validation to heal and especially people who have had trauma. Some may say you don't need validation or validation comes from within. There's a lot of programs that will say that too, that you have to like, just love yourself so much that you don't need validation from others. But humans need, it's a human need. We need to feel, you know, like we belong and that we're accepted. It shows that the other person, like that we're important. Like it's, it shows that they care if somebody's validating you. Um, your child, your significant other, spouse, parent, a friend, validation communicates that they are important and that they care about your thoughts and feelings and experiences and self-validation is important as well. You know, learning how to recognize our emotions with zero judgment and saying, okay, I'm angry, sit with it. And then acknowledge why, why at a different time, you don't have to acknowledge why you're angry in the moment. So you're talking about like when this is how self-validation, this is self-validation. Yeah. And there's no need to try and change our emotions because, you know, like I said earlier, the world will tell you that you should always be happy. You're never angry. So you telling me all the time, like you're making a big deal out of this. No, there is something going on and I need to sit in these emotions. And if you don't agree with me, that's okay. You don't tell me you don't agree with me. You just say, Hey, look, I, I, I get it. You know, it's okay to be angry. You were fixing a light yesterday. Oh my God. That stupid light. Yes. You were (laughs) fixing a bunch of lights. You were installing a bunch of lights. And you were getting really angry with it. That and, third one. Yeah, the last one. And I didn't get angry with you. No. I was just like, it's all right. You know, I kind of made made you giggle with it. I was just laughing with you. Like, it's all right. Yeah, it fucking sucks. It, stupid light. It sucks. And I think it was easy for you to get through it instead of me saying, why do you have to be so freaking pissed off at the light? You know, why you need to change your attitude. Don't be angry. No, you're angry. It's okay to be angry. You need to sit in that anger and accept it. When others around us, especially those we love, are telling us not to be angry, it's going to make it worse. Validation was so tough for me and I don't understand why. Because you thought it meant condoning. And it thought you thought it meant agreeing. You thought well, it meant. I think I say I don't know why. I I do know why, but at the time I didn't understand why. Like if you if you would explain this to me years ago, I would have sat there and thought that sounds like some sissy crap. I don't really know mm-hmm. what you're even getting at with this. Mm-hmm. Why Why do I need to validate a feeling you have if it's obviously incorrect? Right. I this goes back to to my youth. Yeah. My childhood. Yeah. And. I know why I am the way I am. I know why I was operating that way, but I was operating with this cognitive distortion that it was all or nothing. 
that if someone was saying I'm upset about something that I had done or something that experienced, it's like they were telling me that either I had to fix it or that I had to tell them, like I had to basically buy into their reality for what was going on. Mm-hmm. With healthy people, it's great. But if you're around someone who's sick, mm-hmm. this can be bad. Yes. If you're if you're validating someone's toxicity, yes. I got experience with that. Right. And that's where I think the rub came, but yes. it's not fair at all that that's how it I treated everyone Everybody. in my life, especially right. you. Right. Because you had normal problems and normal emotions and normal feelings and you're just Right. you're a healthy person. Right. But here I am being told, "Hey, I had trouble with X Y or Z or this person or this situation." And it's like, I see what you're saying, but I can't let things go there because if we go there, then things are going to get, you know, out of hand quickly, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, I, I I can't, I can't let things get there. So we're just going to have to change your perception, which is really a form of gaslighting is all I'm really yeah. describing here. Yeah, for sure. But when I, we, we were in couples therapy when I learned like truly what validation meant yes. and it, what I mean, like, like the skies parted and the sun shone through and like it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I remember the first times being conscious enough to catch myself in the moment and then just doing it. And the reaction you get back is like, holy crap, it's that easy? Yeah. Empathize. Mm-hmm. Talk. Yeah. That's it. Let them know it's okay. Right. That's it. But the empathy piece, I think, is where I struggled. Yeah. And I'm, I always knew why. Yeah. I always knew why. But I was like, I'm not... I'm not like that, you know, like I'm, I'm, I was different. I'm your partner, I'm your wife. The you only reason have to correct that. The only reason I speak up at all here is because I think that a lot of listeners are probably dealing with someone like you're describing, which was me at one time. Yes. So sort of letting them in on like, what's, what's the texture of someone's mind in those moments? Mm-hmm. It comes from one of two places. It comes from a place where they've dealt with someone who's very toxic and has insisted upon a reality that was not the case for their own benefit Mm -hmm. or they're dealing with someone who's incredibly abusive, you know, and they're using it to an end to control. Yeah. Which is possible too. not, not allowing you to have your own perspectives or opinions about anything because it interferes with my control and what I need in this situation. Mm -hmm. That's generally where it comes from. And I think, honestly, I think I had a mixture of the two at times. Yeah. I think so too. It wasn't always just one or the other. I'm not completely Mm -mm. innocent here. Right. Right. But validation was huge for our marriage. Yes, it was. It was. But but we both had to be healthy, you know, in that moment to be able to get to that point. But you didn't start the validation process until probably eight years after sobriety. Yeah. Yeah. It was long after. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I, I, we're very open about the timeline of how serious these situations are because just because you take away the substance, the behaviors don't change immediately. I think it's been... Has it been that long? Since what? We we first went to counseling. Oh, man. That was 2020? I don't know. That don't, was four years ago. So, so, yeah. About four years. So, it took, it took roughly six, six to eight to get into that place where things are... It was about eight years because you started really validating within the last two years. So, but within a relationship for someone they're looking out and saying, all right, I need to be what they are today. Mm-hmm. Six years, eight years. Yeah. Roughly. And that's only if... If if we're the average of that, I don't know. Right. And that's only if they're working on something, both sides. 
you know, and working on communication because that was like one of the hardest parts of our marriage, I think was the whole gaslight. It was the behaviors. It was not the substances. It was the fact that you didn't respect my opinions or you would try to gaslight me and then you didn't invalidate me. And that happened well after the substance was removed. Yeah. Lundy Bancroft wrote a book called why does he do that? Yes. It changed my life. Yeah. Changed my life completely. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was incredible, but he, um, he defines abuse as someone that chronically mistreats or devalues their partner. A lot of people have a really hard time with the word abuse or yes. calling their partner abusive or saying that. And you brought up a really good point earlier, which I want you to share for everyone here. But okay. that's what abuse is. If, if we're going to define abuse as that and take away all the definitions in your own mind about what abuse is or what an abusive person is. Yeah. It's someone that chronically devalues or mistreats. So it's a rather generic term. It's sort of broad. Oh, yeah. So a lot of things can fit into this bucket of abuse. It's not just the person that comes home and screams in your face. It's not just the person that calls you names. It's not just the person that hits. It's not just that. Right. But another thing that you talked, we talked about this on the way home today, actually, was the the sense of feeling like a victim and not wanting to to consider yourself one, mm-hmm. but you are. And are you comfortable with it today? I'm comfortable with saying it, but I don't think I've had that victim mentality. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Like it's okay that I say that, but I don't feel like I gave in to that mentality, but it is very hard. It is hard. It's a hard thing to say. I think that this has been a tough episode in the making for you too, because when we started Tufo. You never wanted to, you didn't want to talk bad about me and no. you didn't want to make me out to be a villain. Right. But I, I was, problem with that. <laughs> yeah. And which is why it was hard for you to really speak up about some of this stuff mm-hmm. to once again, protect me. But like we had had long discussions about this. I was like, but I was all these things. Yes. I did all these things. Yes. You were accepting of it very much more than I was. But these are your experiences. I just, even live right here, I just... This is the stuff that I think people want to hear about more than anything. What? This about how someone survives this and what, how did, how did they in their own mind come to terms with it? Yeah. Except that these things happened and label me as an abuser, Mm -hmm. but I am, Mm -hmm. I was, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And it takes a long time for me to even rewire my brain back to where I was with my core values, back to the person that I was before my core values, because with you, I shifted my personality a little bit and I shift, I, I, I took on some behaviors that were, you know, not within my values. And now that you're telling me that I was right for a long time before that is still a shock to my brain. I'm having to rewire it to say like, crap, I went through so many years of feeling like the wrong person. And then now I'm feeling like the right person, but it still takes some time to catch up. Yeah. Because, you know, there were a lot of things that happened that I was so agreeable with during active addiction. And, um, I had to shift it back and I'm like, crap. So it's like three different lives. Like we've said before multiple times, but I've had to rewire my brain. It's, it's said, and I don't remember who said it, but it's said that reality Sorry, identity lags reality by one to two years. Mm -hmm. So the person, what's happening in your life today, you won't feel like that's real for one to two years. You won't feel like that person for a couple of years. Yeah. 
kind of wild to think about. It's very wild. Especially in the context of this type this, of relationship. Right. And the recovery and right. the journey and all the work you think right. you're doing. Like there will be times where you don't feel like you've gotten anywhere, but reality is that you have. You just don't feel that way yet. And it will take some time for that to catch up. Yep. Identity lags reality by one to two years. Yeah. And that's a long time. It's a freaking long time. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm so big on talking about the timelines of these things. Like it's, it's, it's not a quick fix. No. <laughs> and me finding my self-esteem was not a quick fix either. No. You know, it took a long time. It was a long process. Do, I don't remember. And do you get into, are you going to get into some of the things you did in the early days? Like when it was sort of like pulling teeth with yourself and like getting up and working out. Yes. Or, I am going to kind of touch on that. We can touch on that right now. Um, because we talked about it in the gentle self self care uh-huh. episode on how it was like pulling teeth, but I had to choose to do hard things every day. Even if it didn't seem hard to others, it was really hard for me. Um, but then eventually a couple years down, I had to get even, I was stronger. So I was able to do even more hard things, but I need, I really want our listeners to understand that they have choices and they do have a fire and they can do hard things. They can build up their selves, self-esteem. They don't have to be stuck in this. If they are stuck in the victim mentality, they don't need to be stuck there. I mean, you're so much stronger than you think. That yeah. was like the biggest takeaway I got from a therapy session was that you were stronger than you think. And it's true. You just have to listen to your gut and you can get there. You can make changes, but you have to do hard things every day. In order to do that, do you think validation has to come first? Yes. You do? I do. So if someone, so if you're in a relationship with someone who is abusive mm-hmm. and in the context or the, in the definition of Bancroft that we just stated, yes, chronically values or mistreats you, mm-hmm. if you're in an abusive relationship, who can you seek validation from? It's a great question. Um, either therapy or from even people who are going through the same thing, like our support group. Somebody who's been there, somebody who knows and understands what you really are dealing with. Now, if you do therapy, I always suggest um, a trauma specialist. Um, And even in our course, our course is extremely validating. Um, We've had a lot of people who have gone through it saying that you were just saying my life like this is my life. And they feel they just feel welcome. and, And they're like, I'm not crazy. So you have to get it from an outside source if you're not going to get it from your partner. Yeah. So if, if you're counting on someone who's stuck in an addiction mm-hmm. or maybe they're sober, but they're really not seeking emotional sobriety and mm-hmm. doing the work that is necessary to achieve that, yeah, you're not going to get validation. Therefore, you're not going to get the growth. Therefore, you're not going to get this empowerment. Right. You're not going to get... It's like we've said before, like you can't really heal in the same environment you were sick in. Yeah. And social learning theory is the basis of that that quote, it's also the basis of the course. And it's true mm-hmm. that if you were in an environment, you're sick, let's say there's black mold in your home. Are you going to recover from your cough with it going on? No, it has to be basically torn down and rebuilt in certain rooms and whatnot. No, but you but- can start. And that's by starting to build your self-esteem. That is by educating yourself, getting validation from external sources, things like that. So listening to this podcast, hopping in the yes. community. Yes. Um, Reading books on trauma, books on abuse, books on um, uh, self-care, like self-help. I'll get, I actually have a list of these. That I'm yeah. And if, if you ever need validation, that's what the community is for. Yes. Um, and we do validation calls. Like yeah. you can set up a call with me and we will chat on this and I will 
you know, help you take the first steps of empowering yourself. Yeah. And it does the validation. It's, it's, it's important. I don't, I think it's bullshit. If somebody is out there saying that you don't need validation to move on, you do need validation to build up your self-esteem. Cause yeah. Cause there's, the, if there's trauma involved. Yeah. Cause the opposite side of this camp looks like sort of like the David Goggins of the world where you've got someone saying like, I don't care. I have calloused my mind. I don't care what anyone thinks. Goggins about got me. validation too, though. He did. That's the thing is like, I think people, it's, people it's think in those extremes, but like in his new book, he even talks about going back and seeing his father, the mm-hmm. person that abused him and his mother mm-hmm. did terrible things to him. Yeah. He needed to see that he's not so scary after all. It's a weak little man. He's destroyed and decrepit and he felt sorry for him. Yeah. That was valid. That was his form of validation. Right. Okay, I don't need to fear this person anymore. Yeah, sort of thing, you know. Right. But it is incredibly important. It it's it's human. You have to have somebody out there who's got your back. Yeah, I and mean, if, if you ever need to feel validated, like go to one of our videos that's got a bunch of views mm-hmm. and scroll through the comments for a moment, and yeah. you're going to see hundreds or thousands of people saying, "Yes, that was my life. This happened to me too. Right, this is my life." Now, if you're, you're not alone. Yeah, and if if you're just seeking validation, then that's not going to be like that's not just the healing journey. That's just the very first part of it is just having that validation. And then you're able to make decisions that do align with your values once you have been validated. Yeah. You know, like the amends process of AA, I think, I don't think they knew it at the time, but it was supposed to be a validation process for other people. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. You make a list of people that you've harmed and then you well, become willing to make amends and then yeah, you make amends. And that's what I was going to say too, is that, Addicts and alcoholics get validation all the damn time when they go and get treatment. That's what treatment is. That's what it is. They're telling you, I understand. I'm here for you. But we're supposed to not have validation? Like, I just, it's it's bullshit. Yeah, and there's also an addict, especially one who's still in it or early on, will tell you that their journey is way harder than yours. Mm -hmm. And that that gets under my skin. Yeah. Big time. I've seen both Both sides sides. of this deal, man. Yes. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You You just made a high school face and that was hilarious. (laughs) It's a childish face, but yeah, like, no, no, we're not going to say that, but you're right. Um, Rehab is basically them telling you like, it's okay. I understand why you felt the way you did. I understand why you did the things you did. And I just want to let you know it's okay. Yes. But it's damaging for you. We've got to find a better way. Right. Even when you flip out in there over like people, you want to see what grown people acting like children looks like. Hop into a treatment center any given night. I had a friend, good friend, who actually died recently, but died completely sober, unrelated to alcoholism. Mm-hmm. But in treatment, he could not stand the fact that he was on someone else's schedule and someone else's time and that he had to listen to someone else tell him what to do at 40 something years old. Sounds familiar. Yeah. It drove him absolutely crazy. Uh-huh. And he would move the furniture around yeah. when people weren't looking just to like get at back at people and like sort of exert his will on the world to feel like he had still some kind of power. They ended up putting a sign around this bastard's neck that said he was on talking timeout. And he wasn't allowed to talk for like 48 hours. He fought them tooth and nail. And it took a long time for this guy to come to the terms with, okay, I'm not in control. I don't have control over this. I got to let this, some of this stuff go. But while he was in there, they were validating him. Yeah. They weren't like shaming him or no. telling him he was a horrible person or right. shit human. Right. You know? But that's the first step. And it's the very small step. Like it's not, it's only like 5% of the issue because 
during my building up my self-esteem, I learned how to have two thoughts at once, right? I learned Tough that one. there is a gray area and that's where I'm going to kind of speak on the other side of this, where you find your own personal self-worth. And okay. it is from a quote from Sirut Chawla. Is that how you say her name? I believe so. Sirut Chawla. She is actually, she, I would say she's very divisive and unpopular in some circles. Yes. Because I think that if she does anything at all, she just she's very real and she yes. doesn't sugarcoat a lot of stuff. Yes, and she's direct. And I listened to a podcast today with her and Chris Williamson. Yeah, I'm really bad with names, so I just question you because you're the one who sends me shit to listen to, and I listen to it, and then I forget their names. But I loved her. I thought that she was on point. I appreciated things that she said, but she had this quote about actual self worth. So I'm going to read it real quick. Yeah, what's she say? Actual self worth is hard is a hard one and it's earned through surviving things and setting a challenge for yourself and actually accomplishing it. Keeping your word to yourself. Do you know how fucking difficult that is? How few people can do it? It's a constant battle, but don't ever stop trying. Keeping your word to yourself will change your relationship with your sense of self-worth. Develop competence in something. Have a purpose that makes you excited to be alive. It'll give you that grounded sense of self-assuredness and that changes how you feel in the world. Oh man, that is so accurate. And that's something that we have worked on. Like keeping a word to yourself and actually setting challenges for yourself and accomplishing it, that is going to build up your self-esteem. That's where the hard work comes in. That's where you start taking care of yourself. That's where you do things that are challenging because it will build you up. Yeah. That she's so on point. And like on, on the surface level, it seems so simple, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not simple no. to keep your word to yourself, but you're right. That's where real empowerment comes from. Like, um, Hormozy says like self-confidence doesn't come from shouting affirmations in the mirror. Right. It comes from having a stack of undeniable proof that you are what you say you are. Right. And you get that stack of proof by doing the thing, by doing the hard things, yes. by keeping those promises yes. to yourself Yes. and taking care of yourself or putting in that extra effort or burning the midnight oil, whatever it might be. You can, this applies in business, this applies in life, this applies everywhere. Yeah. In recovery as well. Mm-hmm. It's I am what I say I am. I did this work. And yeah. I, I'm proud of myself for it. Yes. And and it comes from you. First, you have to find out what your values are. Again, like figure them out, which we have that in our course, the whole process of finding your values and, and where you stand there. And that'll help you take the next step of um, like doing what challenges you. Yeah. And what you need to do to keep your word. We, we covered values as well. So if, if you're in a place where you're not, you just cannot get the course. We covered this in part one, I think, of our boundary boundaries series, series. Yep. When it comes to values, because yes. oftentimes, like what you're describing, I feel like a lot of time when we talk to people, and this is on us, we are we can be better teachers and better educators on this stuff. Is I feel like it's it's over people's heads because mm-hmm. we see it from thirty thousand feet, and yeah. we assume that people understand, but a lot of times they don't even know what their values are. No. Like they don't even know what that means anymore no. because they've been in this relationship where they haven't been where validated. Where they've lost themselves. They've lost themselves. They've been gaslit into oblivion. Yep. Not understanding who I am. What is my place in the world? Does anything I say matter? I am a piece of crap. I don't matter. Right. He's right about everything. Yeah. Like you can be convinced in that. Mm-hmm. If you're in it long enough and you have a small enough circle, mm-hmm. they can get bad. And one day we'll get into the whole toxic family thing yeah but if you got someone who's doing that and they got family that supports them and backs them up and you're close yeah jesus that's yeah like, it's a whole different beast whoa yeah so my values are accountability authenticity and honesty so i don't 
surround myself with people who don't take accountability. That is a fact. It is a fact. <laughs> you want to be friends with Paige and you don't take accountability, you better just keep walking. Peace. <laughs> I learned how not everyone is safe. I learned that not all people can communicate properly. I learned that we don't have to communicate with everyone the same. And that was really hard for me because I thought that if I communicated with somebody on how I felt, you know, they would take into account how I felt and then we would make changes together. But that's not true with somebody who's not willing to hear you. No, it's like that quote. Um, someone can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves. Right. Which is what you did. You said that recently. Yeah. It's so true, man. Like people can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves. So they cannot, if you're talking to someone like you're describing Paige, I was going to say somebody who has not dealt with their own trauma is typically who it is. If somebody has not dealt with their own trauma and they're pretty unstable, you're not going to get through to them. No matter how hard you try, no matter how you healthy, you are communicating with them. It, it, it just doesn't work. No, and then you can get sucked back in so much easier. Yep. And I learned that as well. Um, it's like when we discuss the jade, like don't justify, argue, defend, or explain. We say that because you can't get through to somebody who isn't willing to meet you in the middle. And sometimes it hurts us more because we may be easily manipulated by giving them more chances. Yeah. Like I think there's power in jade at times, especially if it's a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a healthy relationship. You won't even have to do this really. No. But there, you will have disagreements with people. But when it comes to the sick mind and a unhealthy person, whether it be someone who has narcissistic traits or someone with addictive traits or yes. both, yes, you're you is the biggest waste of energy in the world to yes. try and explain your perspective. Yep. But some, this is why I believe that it's you do have to be careful with the type of professionals that you seek because a lot of them may not be well-versed in how to communicate with those who are manipulative um, because they may say, oh, well, you need to speak up for yourself or you might need to go at them in a different way, communicate in this way. But what I learned is that there was nothing I could say. Speaking up was just going to make it worse for me. Yeah. So I would just write things out or type them out and keep them for myself and then go back to it and remind myself why I'm doing what I'm doing. You just reminded me of something and just a word of caution to anyone who is on a journey with us right now is that your growth is going to be incredibly intimidating to your partner. Yes. They are not going to like this. Nope. They are not going to like you flipping status quo on its head. Nope. They are not going to like the fact that you are growing and changing and you are starting to figure things out. Yep. They're not going to like that you're questioning things, Mm -hmm. that you're reading certain things. Mm -hmm. These are all red flags, by the way, but they are not going to like it. Just heads up. Right. And that means you need to keep doing it. It is a threat to this this perfectly arranged reality that I've created here. Yeah. And when you start to act outside of the, the mode of your character, like an actor breaking script and improving, it's like, oh, whoa, 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 no, wait, wait, wait. We got to go back to where I'm comfortable, back mm-hmm. in this reality that was so easy for me, mm-hmm. where I could keep you in this little cage and everything was fine. Yes, it is gonna, it's gonna throw things off, right? And it's gonna take, be ready for that. Yeah, and that's why it's got to take time for you to build up your self esteem to be okay with doing these things, because it's gonna happen and it's gonna suck, and they're gonna come back at you. But you have to stand your ground, continue to stand your ground. Um. 
And Matt was reading over my notes earlier and I said this one sentence and he's like, this doesn't make sense to me. So I'm going to say it. And some people might when have you said seen it, this I was on like, Instagram. Oh, that makes perfect sense. So I learned that we cannot change people, but we can change people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. <laughs> so speaking up doesn't mean that I can, you know, change somebody, but I can change the people around me. That means that I can, I can make decisions to remove myself from situations that no longer serve me. Man, that's like the bitch of it all right there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm not degrading anyone by any means. If anyone's ever sent us a message that's sort of like this, but people will say, my relationship is a total mess and they'll go on to give details about why. Yeah. And then they'll say, I, I still want it though. Mm-hmm. It's like, you just answered your question and you just basically stated that you, you can't change people, but no. you can change people. Mm-hmm. If long as you're in a relationship with someone who's like that and they're unwilling to change, nothing is going to change. And I guarantee that you have to change. Unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? It can be. Or, so, or, or maybe fortunately. I'm going to say, no, not unfortunately, man. This is, this is so empowering. This situation when you learn and you educate yourself on this and you're actually figuring out, you're waking up. You're waking the fuck up. That is beautiful. It is scary. I know that. I know it's hard to look at reality, but when you begin to do it, it is going to be like a little bit of a weight is lifting off your shoulders because you are realizing that you do have choices. You do have decisions in your life. You are not stuck in what you're in. You have decisions and you can make them. Yeah. And like, what is the What's the thing that triggers this decision to to change people? You're going to have to answer that question for yourself. Like that's really a very personal choice because for us, there were times where I think if, if I met us 12 years ago, uh-huh. you need to get away from that guy. He's a mess. Oh yeah. He's, he's a disaster. Yeah. Maybe there's no chance he ever figures it out. Right. We figured it out. But I think the metric you ought to use for, is this worth investing in? Should mm-hmm. I hold out hope? Mm-hmm. Is what is this compar- what is this person's capacity for change? Do they have the ability to be open minded yeah. about anything at all? Right. And then the more quantifiable metric is are they doing the work? Yeah. Are they actually doing any work? Are they going to therapy? Are they going to some sort of program? Are they are they investing in making themselves better? Yeah. And if they're not and they have no interest, yeah. I think you have your answer. Right. It's 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 going to you're going to keep getting the same thing you always got if yeah. nothing changes. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing that a lot of people question. Like everybody has their shit. You know, everyone makes mistakes. Sure. Right? Like we all make mistakes. Even within our recovery journey, we have made mistakes. I hold the title for most mistakes made, by the way. But here's my thing. If someone does it more than three times, it is typically abuse in a pattern. Okay. Yes. We're talking about when it comes to identifying patterns. When it comes to identifying patterns, if they're doing it more than three times, like if it's continuously, like if it's happening over and over where they're not, you're not seeing a change. That's, 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 you need to recognize that. So I like the three strikes you're out rule. Baseball. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You know, you communicate your needs, your boundaries, and if they're not shifting or changing at all, you have to make a decision to protect your peace that's hard for a lot of people to deal with because they can think, Oh, they yelled at me three times. You know, I need to go. It's not really just yelling. It's deeper than that, but you'll know like three strikes. Like, why am I still doing this? Why are we still doing this? Yeah. Like you've made mistakes obviously, but 
you were able to correct them after a certain amount of time. I got better at listening when I got sober, but it didn't fix everything. But I was in active addiction. This was not possible. There's no way in, in hell I could have ever taken anything you ever said and did something constructive with it. Yeah. Once I was sober, it was still damn near impossible. It right. was only after a considerable amount of time and investing in my own recovery was I able to begin to understand the words that were coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Well, like here's an here's an example about the three strikes. So I decided that you and I needed to go to therapy together because you were still, you know, gaslighting me. Yeah. And there were still like some crazy just throwing things. <laughs> <laughs> getting really mad. Yeah. And I was having to make changes that you didn't like um, because it was going to affect you like we talked about earlier, but I didn't care and I had to protect myself. So for, when I first mentioned therapy, you said, hell no. And that was a red flag. So that was strike one. A few months later, we decided to finally get help. Now, if I were to come to you a few months later and say something and you'd say, no, I don't want to go to therapy. All right. Strike two. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's give it a little bit more time. Let's let's I, I planted the seed twice at this point. I planted the seed. Let's give it a, lo- a little bit more time. Then I say it again. And you say, no, that's I'm, I'm sorry, but I need to reevaluate this whole relationship at this point. If you're not ready to push forward and, and meet me in the middle here. I agree. Do with you think that. that's solid? I do. Like, I think it is. I think it's solid. How many chances are you willing to give somebody? If you keep giving them chances over and over and over and over again, you're not going to recognize the cycle and nothing is going to change. Yeah. So like, what's the sweet spot for chances? Like, I think we all agree that one, I don't okay. know if, if you're a one chance kind of person, then more power to you. But I think it's a little rough, yeah. a little rigid, Yeah. like tens too many, three to five. For you, three. Three's the magic number. It's like three. That's all. <laughs> like, it's, it's what like you get. You three. get three. You get three fucking chances. You know, I think this could go with relapses as well. When it came to our our therapy, like our couples counseling, yeah, were we in there for like a real issue between us and the marriage? Or no, 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 no. I, it was an issue. <laughs> it was an issue that served as more of a... It was more of a symbol of other issues. Yes. It was like you could say it was this thing. Yes. But, but really, mm-mm. like the patterns within that thing showed up everywhere. So mm-hmm. it was a bigger problem. For you, it was the one problem. For me, I knew it was a communication issue. I knew yeah. it was a marriage issue. Yeah. But you didn't want to call it a marriage issue. We're kind of processing this right now. This is interesting. This is weird. This is weird. That's like, what the <laughs> hell are we doing here? So you thought it was a marriage issue. And that was a threat to you because you thought that we had such a beautiful marriage. Yeah. Like we have been together for so long. Everything was great. Everything. And I was like, this is a marriage issue. And I knew it was a marriage issue because of how my gut was feeling and how I was working on things. And I needed you to come meet me in the middle and learn how to communicate better. And you really just wanted to fix one problem. Yeah. But it was a lot deeper than that. Yeah. And I can honestly say like thinking back, like we had unturned so many stones in our marriage and problems leading up to that, uh-huh. that we had done with each other. Like in my own recovery, coming to understand the, my wrongs and my own behavioral patterns that I needed to change. Mm-hmm. But this was one man. Like I, th- I think that therapy was the only way I was ever going to see it and really get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Because it was so deeply rooted. Yes. So deeply rooted. Right. Like, and I could look back and I think most people could look back even and then and say, well, everything seemed fine. And on, like, on the surface it was like, we were yeah. fine. 90, what? 99% of the time. Yeah. But that 1% that was left 
was bad. Yes, it was very deep. Huge. So maybe it wasn't 1% actually. Right. It might have been like 10 or 20. To you it was because you had the cognitive, you have the cognitive distortion of minimizing certain things. Yeah. Instead of looking at it for reality. Mm -hmm. But you also had a cognitive distortion of catastrophizing things. Very much so. That were minor. Then we've discussed this on our podcast a lot about how like you would get really upset over stupid things, (laughs) but then you would get not upset over big things. And that's actually cognitive distortion. I got to work in every direction. Yes, you do. We all do. But I recognize this and I learned this all in, in, in therapy and building up my self-esteem and how my distortions were actually holding me back. And we talk about distortions in our course too. So that's kind of a, a cool thing. But I, I do rec- now I'm able to understand why you made things a big deal that, that were small. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. operating with this broken brain. It's not broken. No, it's broken. <laughs> it wasn't just like low on batteries. This thing needed to replace no, it. No, <laughs> it's just like, it's almost like denial too. It's almost like living in denial because yeah. you're not seeing the reality for what it is. And you didn't take my perspective into consideration. Man, and I think the conflict of an, of someone in recovery, and I'm just going to speak for myself here because this is what I went through, but... I am an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. Mm-hmm. Like often a- alcoholics are referred to as that. I don't know where that was originally written. I don't know if that's from like a program or what, but I've heard it a lot. I heard it when I first got sober, like alcoholics are an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. Yeah. And when you make progress, when you start to build yourself up, when you are managing to stay sober for a period of time, even even though you are actively working on keeping your ego in check, I guess you can kind of involve, you can sort of you kind of evolve into this i don't know what you call it like a character trait where you you feel like you know what you're talking about like overconfidence i would say yes. maybe you know what i mean yes and like yes. you can and people if, if you've ever been with someone who's in recovery you know what i'm talking about oh yeah they'll come home and start telling you <gasps> all of like you you would think they spent eight years at harvard oh you know, yeah getting a psychology degree and yes. a phd and a bunch of other stuff but I think you can get really cocky and really arrogant with just a little bit of information when you start to see changes in progress. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, I I very much devalued your experiences and what I thought that you knew. Yes. Because I thought I had accomplished so much. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I think I see that a lot, man. When That's I work with so couples, good. I see that with a lot of couples that go through that where they're like you get someone who weaponizes AA or therapy mm-hmm. or something like oh, yeah. that. Yeah. You know, especially with someone who's, who's an addict, yeah. like, that can be really dangerous because they will use it against you. Oh yeah. They use it against you. I mean, you. you would do that with me, but I questioned it all the time. Every so often I'd be correct. I will say that <laughs> every so often, <laughs> once in a blue moon, you would be because no, one's I learned, perfect. no, I learned, no one's perfect. We right. both learned so much. I from did. Each other. I did learn a lot in your recovery and things that you brought home. I really and truly did like a, a lot um, it was just those little things that I'm like, eh, it wasn't a little thing. This. There was a major issue when it came to that, when yeah. it came to this acceptance idea yes, yes. that we can tolerate bad behavior. Right. Like the, I've always been pretty good at carrying two thoughts at the same time, yes. like two, two opposing yes. thoughts at the Beautiful. same time. But the one I think that was the most difficult for me, and this is, this is for other people in my life. This is not for you. Just for the listeners this is not for Paige. It's apology accepted, access denied mm-hmm. was a really tough one, man. Mm-hmm. That's like, and that's also the, what a lot of spouses have to face. Mm-hmm. 
It's like apology accepted, access denied. Like yep. I, I thank you for the words you just said, but I know based on your patterns that you don't really know what that means. You're just saying what I you think I want to hear at this moment, right? And I know based on your patterns what you're going to do next week, yes. two months from now, three right. months from now. So right. apology accepted, access denied. Right, man, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Little hint is what we were going through. See if someone <laughs> can figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna kind of. I'll never tell. I'm gonna. Sh- I'm gonna shift this a little bit. Okay. Um. So I'm a very tough love kind of gal. She is. Would you say that? She is. I'm a tough love kind of gal, and I'm not like a mean tough love kind of gal. Like I'm really good with empathizing with people. You are the the most empathetic person I've ever met. Right, and, and like I meet people where they're at, but I also want them to know that nothing changes if nothing changes. That means doing hard shit, working on shifting your mindset, not being super, super gentle with yourself. So this is, here's a story about like my weight and stuff. So I used to allow my weight to fluctuate a lot because social media told me being unhealthy is okay. Right. Yeah. Social media tells me that it's okay to be unhealthy. And all this did was reinforce my bad habits, which are unhealthy. This is the validation thing that I was talking about. Like where it can get backwards. Oh, I agree. I agree. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So this isn't validation. That's condoning. That's the difference. That's difference. Yeah, that's the difference. You know, and I would eat snacks because I was having a rough day. I am. Um, it's a quick, it was like a quick fix to alleviate the pain. And I sucked it up and I said, no more. I want to be healthy. I don't want to do this anymore. I stopped looking at social media and saying, you know, it, it reinforcing all of my bad habits. And it's not about the way I looked. It was because of the way I felt. I mm-hmm. wanted to be healthy. I wanted to not just look okay in the mirror. I wanted to feel okay too. And I know that the, it's just like the, the wine mommy, the mommy wine, movement culture culture. yeah Yeah, it's the same thing that's another way of social media telling you it's okay to be unhealthy you don't have to cope with this shit all the time you know life is hard life is fucking hard it's not supposed to be easy it's not supposed to be comfortable it's it's supposed to be difficult and that's where the self-esteem comes into where you challenge yourself to do the hard shit yeah do it you can i used to be just like everybody who listens and i I know a lot of you aren't where I'm at, but I've been where you are. And I hope that you, I'm hope that you can become who you truly want to be in this life. And I'm hope that you can build up that self-esteem to make life changing decisions. And I'm hope that you can have a voice again because I've been there and I know how you feel, but I also know that you can get the fuck out of it and you can change who you are and you have the strength to do it, but you have to make decisions to do it. You have to. It's so tough, man. It's extremely tough. This is not, it was not easy finding my self-esteem again, but it was always there. Like the fire within me was always there, you know, but I tried so hard. Oh yeah, it never left. I can't confirm. Kiss my ass. But I tried, (laughs) (laughs) but I did try hard. It would come out every once in a while. But there were times that I would try to accommodate, you know, others. And then I would forget what I stood for. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's time for you to find yourself again, man. It fucking hurts and it's hard. You know, something that you talked about and, and I love this, this thought it's about reframing hard. Uh huh. Like when you had kids, did you think it was going to be easy? Like a show of hands. No one raises their hand. No, no one does. So doesn't mean you can't say it sucks at times, but 
this is what hard feels like. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're up at two in the morning and you haven't slept in days and days and days, like it's it's hard. Yes, like I got through some of the worst times in my life by just reframing hard. Yeah, especially when it came to my professional life and all the drama that goes on there. Yeah, like, there were days where it's like, well, this is this is hard. I didn't think it'd be easy. It was it's going to be hard, and I reframed it as going into it knowing it was going to be tough. And then I, I, it was still difficult, but I didn't feel like the poor me's that came with it. I'm real bad about that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't deserve this right now. This is too much right now. I got that disappeared. Like those little voices disappeared. Yeah. Which drive me crazy. Right. Just reframe hard. It was still hard, but I accepted it much easier. Yeah. And it's kind of what you're talking about here. Yeah. Re- reframe hard. Yes. Yes. It's going to be hard. Okay. It's, let's, it's, let's accept it's, that. It's not going to be easy. So when it gets hard, let's remember. We signed up for hard. This is hard. I can do hard. Yeah. And you're going to question a lot of the stuff that happens within this process. You're going to question a lot of the things that you do. It's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel like, oh, am I doing something wrong? Um, And like Matt said earlier, the more educated you become, the more it's going to throw people in your life through a loop. Because for them, it would be easier if we did just stay in our lane, which we know there's a lot of programs. For them, it would. You're that, damn yeah, right. Yeah. It tells, they, they, a lot of programs will tell you to stay in your lane and allow your partner to do whatever you want. And I'm just going to say F that. F we, that. F that. F that. F that. We have choices. Like we know we can't change them, but we can change us. And staying in our lane, there is a place for that. Like you've told me this before, like staying in your lane and whatnot. And, but it's, it, it has gone too far. It's gone too far. You are with somebody who, if you stay in your lane, they're getting all up in your shit. They're coming all over in your lane. Yep. So you, F that. (laughs) The people that are going to have the biggest problem with the new you are going to be those that benefited the most from having you as this frail person who didn't speak up. Yes. And that right there. There there will be people like even your friends that say you've changed Uh and you should say, I should hope so. Say thank you. Th- thank God. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. That's a compliment. Yeah. Thank you. I Change, appreciate When that. somebody tells you you've changed, that means that you've grown and that you have become a different person. And that is a freaking amazing thing to have. Yeah. And we're not talking about the rock star that goes viral and suddenly they're not, they're too good for their old friends. We're talking about someone who's growing, yep. really doing this hard, challenging work to reform their identity. Yep. This is, this is a compliment if someone says you've changed. And the, but the people that say something in a negative way are going to be the people that liked you in that little box they had you in. Yeah. They loved you down there. You were controllable there. Yep. We're not trying to create controllable people here. No. That's not what Tufo seeks to do. No. We're trying to create empowered people that can make decisions for themselves. Right, right. So the types of, I want to talk about the types of books that I've read, like within my self-esteem building. Um, because it wasn't, we've been very open about this, about how it wasn't just codependency stuff. I didn't go down that route. I went down a different route um, and read books on abuse, narcissism, trauma, boundaries, spirituality. Spirituality was a big piece for me too. I did find spirituality Same. within my um, recovery. And that is just, you know, having the universe and having a higher power and becoming present. Um, that really helped me let go of some control too. Yeah. So that is a big piece of my recovery and, and building up my self-esteem knowing that I'm not just alone. But, um, I learned about narcissism being, um, a spectrum and how I was too far on the lower end, which many of us are, which would be the empath, which is damaging 
as well. And then on the other side is where a lot of addicts stand. Um, But now I'm in the middle, which is a healthy dose of narcissism. There is a healthy dose of narcissism that people don't realize that it's okay to um, be okay with yourself. It's okay to be, it's not selfish. It's It's okay. It's okay to just live your fucking life. Yes. It's okay. It's not much different than ego. Like ego is a bad word. Mm-hmm. We, we think of it that way anyway, but right. there's a healthy level of ego. Yeah. Ego keeps you alive. Yeah. It protects you at times. Yes. It's a good thing to have. Right. But too much of it is a bad thing. Yes. Too little of it, also a bad thing. Right. So like on the narcissism scale, like a 10 would be like a serial killer, right? Mm-hmm. They believe that rules do not apply to them. Yes. Addicts are probably a nine. Mm-hmm. Like they're just a step below that. Yes. Like really abusive people right. and addicts are right below that. And many often. of us are like, when I read the book, it was Rethinking Narcissism. When I read that, there was a skill and there were like questions that I had to answer. And I think I was a three at that point. I bet you, what would you be now? A five or six. Right. Maybe, right. maybe even a little bit more. You are a seven, eight, I think. Now? Actually, you're probably more of a six, seven now. A couple of years ago, you were about a seven, eight. You're probably about a six. You're healthy. You're a healthy narcissist. Is that that's that's considered healthy? Seven to eight. And in, in between, yeah, it's like there's healthy narcissism. Six, seven, eight. Ish. Yeah, yeah. Eight, that that book is on our website if you're interested. All these books that I'm about to list out are on our website. Um, but I like we were just talking about Goggins. Well, uh, hang on. So what? none of these you you mentioned like none of these books are about codependency. None of these books no. are really about. The recovery addiction. of a spouse or addiction no. or anything else. No, I, this is about uh, personal development. Something that you said a million times before, and I hope that people that people remember this, is that you never focused on the substance. No. You focused on the behaviors. Yes. It's not about the substance. No. Let's remove the substance. Picture the substance doesn't exist. All right. right. Forget the fact that he acts nice whenever he's not drunk. Mm-hmm. He's probably just sucking up because he's hiding something more yeah. than anything. But yeah. anyway, let's forget all that. Yeah. How does the behavior feel? Yeah. How is what it affecting are the behaviors? you? What are the behaviors? That's what's important to focus on. Right. That's why we, our course is based on, you know, like narcissistic abuse. Yeah. And I think it's this, about people that have the traits and how it truly affects you. <laughs> Your computer made some funky noise. noise? <laughs> and I think, and I've seen this so many times, spouses can convince themselves, mm-hmm. absolutely convince themselves that when he's sober, he's perfect. Yes. False. It's not true. It's, it's it's just not true. It's it's a false reality. It's better, but it's, it's not better, perfect. But it's not perfect. Um, and and it's just keeping you uh stuck in that denial of not looking at the reality of the cycle. Right. Um. And and they want that to happen because then you're not able to get angry with them. Um. But there are people who say, "Oh, my husband is a great is great when he's sober." It's just it's. If you take away the substance, it's still going to take a long time for them to ever be that person when they're sober. Like you have to a shift long the time. behavior. Some it's, things, I'm, it's about the abuse. Some things get better immediately. And I think those are the things we focus on. But you're shorting yourself if you think that that's the best version of them. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. Like I tell people this whenever like I go speak at treatment centers. I'm like, if you wrote down, if I had to get you to write down on paper everything that you would want out of sobriety right now. Mm-hmm. And I showed it to you one year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, you would have shorted yourself on so much. Yeah. Like you're asking for the most basic things. Like, okay, so he gets up on time. He he looks at me when I talk. He Those are basic doesn't things. scream. Like, guys, we're talking about having a serious conversation with somebody and yeah. being able to hold a conversation and, and have independent thought and new ideas and like a real intimate relationship. That should be the bar. The bar shouldn't be... 
he didn't scream today. Like he's not the perfect guy when he's sober. Right. He's not. Right. Like when you take alcohol away from the alcoholic, all you're left with is the ick. Yeah. It's just the I leftovers. Yeah. All that crap that we don't deal with comes but, out to play. But you do have to take the substance away first. You got to get that out of the way first. So Without when people that, say, it's futile. I know people get confused when I say, look at the behaviors and not the substance. Um, it's I'm just trying to explain to you that the recovery is not possible. The recovery, that is not possible unless you take the substance you away. Ha- right. But you need to focus on how you're being treated and how it is not acceptable and what you do and do not tolerate within your relationship. And when we say take the substance away, we're not referring to for the weekend no we're taking long like term long term sobriety. we're long saying term. like a, a long bit of time yeah not just a, a couple weeks or something like that yeah yeah so can i talk about the books now my bad Do you have anything else to, why am i buying it bad and i just want to make sure we're on i need to interrupt you on the book no it's okay Let's you, go had, you had a really good point there thank you for bringing that up we were just talking about that earlier all right so my whole journey was i liked to read david goggins i like his point of view on things i think he's hardcore and i appreciate that he's got a lot of tough love um i also liked the series of the subtle art of not giving a fuck which is mark manson um gary john bishop is great he does books of stop doing that shit sounds like a country singer i like it does he's actually he's from somewhere else i don't remember where he's from he's a great uh get the audio book it's great um Obviously, I like all these bad words in my books because that's just you how do. I am. You do. What is with it's this? It's a thing. Um, why does he do that? We've we talked about that earlier. We have a lot of these books on our website that you can read so that you can kind of see what you're dealing with. I know a lot of people don't like to go down the abuse route, but go down the narcissistic route if you want to. I mean, it's all it's it's very similar. And I even have a trauma book on there that can help you as well. Um, and then, you know, like I said earlier, like it's a lot of programs will tell you to focus on you. And I've said this before, too, and I've been guilty of saying it, but there's something to it. But it's also important to understand who you married and how they communicate. If yeah. you're just focusing on you, you're not going to see the big picture. This is where our gray area comes in, where it's like some programs tell you to go one side and the other goes the other side. We're meeting in the middle where you need to look at both sides. Right. It is important to know what type of person you are dealing with so that you know how to communicate with them, which is not going to be very effective. <laughs> and you should also know what to expect, I think, based yes. on what type of person this is yes. and how they communicate. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so like we can stay in our lane and still challenge our partners who want to be challenged. Yeah. Who are willing to be challenged. Like we still stay in our lane, but we're still married and we still have to challenge each other. Absolutely. Um, and there's a lot of times where you would kick your feet, but you're looking, you are, you look within yourself and you make changes to make sure you're the best fan, man for yourself and for your family. I have always loved being challenged. Yeah, I, I do. I love being challenged. Uh-huh. So when you tell me I can't do something, yep. like I'm going to do it. Yeah. It, it, when, when you tell me I ought to do something, I'm going to try it. Yeah. I, I love that. I know you I love you that do. about you. I love that you you were like, you've always been like my lighthouse. Like I've always been like just this rudderless ship kind of floating out in the middle of the ocean. No clue where to go. And then one day this lighthouse shows up mm-hmm. and now I know where to go. Yeah. I know what to do now. Left to my own devices, I'll just float. 
Like I need direction. I need direction. And I love you for that. You've always given me that. You've always given me those challenges. But I also give you your autonomy as well. Absolutely. Yeah, there's both. There's all. It's all together. There's no all or nothing. It's not one way or the other. Yeah. You can do a lot together. You can focus on yourself, but also try to figure out what the hell's going on in your marriage. Yeah. It is important to know what the fuck is going on in your marriage. It's important to know what's going on with your finances. It's important to know if, if your partner is using or not. Like it's important information so that you can figure out what the hell you need to do in your life. I can't stand these dudes like miss me with this whole rhetoric that she's controlling or nagging or she doesn't accept me for who I am because she challenged you to be better. Yeah. Yeah. What you've basically says is that you're a finished perfect product and you have no room to go. Yeah. You have no room to grow. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye. Yeah. What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. That is a red flag if there ever was one. Yep. You know what I had a big problem with? Um, feeling like I was weak for choosing not to participate in other people's bullshit. Because you weren't up to the quote unquote challenge. Because I felt like, oh my gosh, I can't handle this. So I must be a weak person because you made that out to be for me. If like, if I didn't tolerate somebody's behavior and you say, well, you just need to suck it up. You just need to deal with it or whatever. I felt like a weak person that I couldn't deal with it. I think it's quite the opposite. And I think it's bullshit. I think that we don't have to put ourselves in situations that make us uncomfortable. Unless it's for personal development. Yeah, because I think there's there's a gray area here. There's a gray area there where also like there are going to be people you come across that maybe you don't have to be involved with a lot, but they rub you the wrong way. Yeah. There's some level of that that is okay, but there's another level of that that's also not okay. Right, right. Know the difference based on what your values are. Yes. Because you're not always going to be around people that you just love to be around. Yeah. But I do agree with the fact. I do agree with this. Absolutely. Yeah. That... Yeah, you might feel weak for not being around those people. But I think if you look at it from the inverse, it's actually stronger because you understand what you are, who you are, what you'll tolerate and what your values are mm-hmm. better than anyone else. And you choose to be authentic. Yeah. This is who I am. Yeah. Think about old people for a moment. <laughs> old people don't care. Yeah. They will say whatever they want. They wear whatever they want. Yep. They wear Velcro shoes because they're comfortable. Yes. They wear a white shirt because they're easy to, to Love get. Love it. They don't care. At some point in your life, you just don't care anymore. Right. Why do we wait until we're 80 to figure that out? I don't. I, you didn't. You came out of the <laughs> womb this way. I swear, man. And it's a beautiful thing. I, I, I admire it so much. You just don't tolerate BS. You're like, if I don't... You'll, you'll hang out with someone once or twice and then you kind of get a read and it's like, not my person. No. no. No offense, just not my kind of person. No. And and part of that is being highly sensitive because I do pick up on subtleties on people and I know when somebody's being inauthentic and I don't, I don't, it, it, it takes the energy out of me. Yeah. So it's the, there's an acronym for being highly sensitive. It's DOES, D-O-E-S, and it's depth of processing, overstimulation, empathy, and sensing. Uh-huh. It's you have such a higher depth of processing where you can see fake people from a mile away. <laughs> from a mile away. And it may sound very... It used to get on your damn nerves. I mean, it, it, it may sound very like... Judgmental. Judgmental, but it's not because the other side of that is empathy where yeah. you have more empathy than any person I've ever known right. in my life. Right. So you you can understand, but also choose not to deal with it. Yeah. That's that's an amazing trait. Yeah, and it doesn't make me a narcissist either, which some people would question themselves as being narcissists because of that. But it's 
no, this is healthy for me and I'm not hurting anybody. According to TikTok, everyone's a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get through. We, we really do need to talk more about the narcissism because that is something that we are very you know, we know, we're we know well about it. We're, we're very well versed on that. Yeah. As much as I'm recovering from being an alcoholic, I think that I've never, was never diagnosed narcissist, but yeah. I can go through that. We can go through that together and be like, yeah. oh my God, you check every box just about. Dude. Right. Right. So we're going to have to wrap this up. I, I hope I, it's really hard. This episode was hard because it's like how I found myself again. There is so, as you can tell, there's so many damn layers that go along with this that there isn't just like a simple answer. All I can do is tell you my experience and tell you how different TUFO is and how, you know, our course is different because we go the healing route with spouses because that's what we need. You know, we learn how to build the self-esteem, not bury our heads in the sand. We figure out what we tolerate. We find our worth. We understand it isn't weak to remove ourselves and we learn to say no. And you start to figure out who you are when you do these things. Yeah. And it's not as simple as just saying, Oh, I don't tolerate this shit. I'm out. You know, you have to build your self esteem up before you can make any decisions within your life. So that's what we're here for. Yeah. Keep doing that. Like keep listening. Um, keep educating yourself on all the things, not just from TUFO, but from everything that resonates with you and go to therapy and go to therapy. <laughs> therapy is beautiful. It really is. It really is. And, We've made mention of it many times here before, but if you're in the state of Texas, Taylor Counseling Group is an excellent resource for that. Yep. Some people don't even know where to start, where to turn. Mm -mm. I think psychologytoday.com also has an amazing filter system to find a therapist. Yes. And you can filter by insurance, uh, specialty, all be kinds of stuff. Be careful with addiction therapists. Yes, be careful with addiction therapists. So Sometimes they're great. Um, sometimes it goes a different route that can... I've seen two different types. Yes. I've seen bleeding hearts for addicts mm -hmm. that don't quite understand the narcissistic behaviors, and, right. but they understand very much addiction and how to get past addiction. Right. Which but is taking away the substance. Oftentimes that's a zero sum game where they're telling the family member, you need to put your shit aside. He's yes. got to get sober. Yes. So careful with that. Mm -hmm. I think someone in between the two mm -hmm. understands a little bit of both and will call your addicted loved one on their BS yes. is the best kind to find. Right. I don't think there's a filter for that, but you can always interview <laughs> them. Yeah. But somebody who also understands narcissism is, um, is going to be helpful, I think. For sure. Yeah. Because they can tell you when you are being manipulated. A lot of the times we don't know that we're being manipulated in these no. relationships because like we said in the last episode, you were so damn good at that game. Yes. So. Yeah. We made that game. Yeah. We understand how to yeah. win at it. I feel like I could have gone so much harder on this episode and felt like, I don't know if y'all really got the idea of who I am, but maybe in future episodes, we can really start to peel this apart. I'm just glad that I didn't talk 80% of this damn thing. We had a conversation. Like, it was nice. Yeah. Well, you talked. That was the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Y'all, I know you get sick of hearing from me. Well, I know it. Okay. I do. I get sick of hearing from me. And, I, and I've explained this before is that I'm having to go back in time with a lot of our podcasts and a lot of our episodes. And sometimes I dealt with all the trauma in my therapy. I went down the route. I did. E, uh, uh, oh, my gosh. EMDR. EDMR. That sounds right. There's an EDMR. Either way. I'm sorry. My brain is not working properly right now, but I did it to where I had to go through some of my traumatic events and I, I'm, I'm, I've healed from that, but it still sometimes sucks having to go back to that time because I'm a completely different person these days. Like I'm, I'm pretty fulfilled. I let my feelings go through. I'm not questioning, questioning myself as much anymore. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a different person. Yeah. So I'd like to 
you know, come out of my shell even more. Please do. So Whenever I, so, we're when so we're discussing these things, they're tired of it too. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm here for y'all. Okay. Is it all we got? I think so. Awesome. We gotta go. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us here. Hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. I, I loved it. It was great. It was awesome. You did amazing. Uh, until next time, I am Matt. I am Paige. And we'll see you. Bye.